Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the re- privilege of reading Parshas B'Shalach. Parshas B'Shalach is a very rich parsha. According to the Chinuch, it contains but one mitzvah, a restriction, that of the Isur of Tchumin, not permitting someone to go literally out of their boundary, beyond their city limits on Shabbos. The Shabbos is called Shabbos Shira, because this is the Shabbos that we relive, we read of how Am Yisrael, several million souls, miraculously crossed the Yamsuf when Egypt was in hot pursuit of them, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu drowned the Egyptians in the same waters that at the same time was dry land for the Jewish people. I'd like to ask an obvious question. Why? Why does the sea split for the Jewish people? So you're going to tell me, well, Mitzrayim was running after them. And as the Medrash says, Hayam Soger, the water was in front of them. The enemy was in hot pursuit. And the wild animals were on either side of the Midbar. And so, Bnei Yisrael were in a pickle, a very dangerous situation. And God created a circumstance whereby he was able to save them. The Midrash basically asks my question, The Midrash is asking a very profound question. Why in actuality is Yitzias Mitzrayim, the Exodus, in two stages? In last week, we leave Egypt, and now in this week, in Bishalach, Mitzrayim is running after Bnei Yisrael, the sea splits. Why did their salvation and redemption have to come in two stages? And the Medrash gives, this is in Medrash Rabbah, in chapter 21, paragraph 5, a very powerful answer in the name of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Why did it happen this way? And he responds and says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mis'aveh L'Tfilason Shel Yisrael. God wanted to hear the Jewish people pray. Now, what does that mean? He says as follows, To what may it be compared? And he gives the following analogy to a princess who was being disturbed and molested by robbers. And so she cries out, It just so happens that the king 
was passing by, he heard her cries, and he saved her. The king wanted to have a relationship with her, and at the moment she was not interested. What did the king do? The wise king recreated the opportunity for their initial meeting. Namely, he arranged for persons to act as if they were, again, highwaymen, there to attack her. Once again, she screams, and he comes to her rescue. And this is what the king says, once again, I was waiting for your voice, to hear your cries, to be there. Says Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, listen to this powerful response. Kach Yisrael, so to the Jewish people, when they were in Egypt, and Egypt was oppressing them, the Torah tells us that Vayizaku, they cried out to God from their hard work, Minhavoda, and God then goes to work, sends Moshe, ten plagues, and what happens? He takes them out of Mitzrayim. And God wanted to hear their prayers of thanksgiving, their prayers of dependence upon Him, just as they had cried out to Him in Egypt, you wrote sin. Unfortunately, the Jewish people did not respond in kind. Even if you're going to say that, of course, they recognized that it was God who took them out, but that same kind of plea with the intensity of what initially was a plea of help us, Hashem. Now there was no equal response of thanksgiving on their part. They left Egypt. Of course they were thankful, but they did not sing Shira. And they did not praise God with the same intensity that they had cried out to Him to please save them. So what does Hashem do? Hashem causes Paro to pursue them. And therefore, when they are in this difficult situation, the Torah tells us in the beginning of this week's parsha, Vayitzaku B'nei Yisrael El Hashem. The Jewish people cry out to God, namely, says the Medrash, in the same way that you cried out to me initially. And this is what God wanted. And this is why, according to the Medrash, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was in the two stages in order that they would respond 
in kind, they would pray to Hashem with that same intensity that they had prayed in Mitzrayim. This is such a powerful idea. It shows that oftentimes a tzara comes upon an individual because that person perhaps had not sufficiently prayed when times were good. And now Hashem says, I need to hear from you. I didn't hear from you with an incredible feeling of thanksgiving prior to the trouble. Now that a trouble comes upon you, there is that koach of tefillah which is aroused. And the truth of the matter is, Rashi says on this verse, Vayitzaku b'nei Yisrael el Hashem, in the beginning of the parasha, in Perek Yudalid, Pasuk 10, Rashi says, Tofsu umnus avosam. They adopted the craft of their forefathers, namely prayer. And Rashi goes on to show how Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov each prayed. And Bnei Yisrael were following in the ways of the Avos. But interestingly, Rashi brings a Pesach to prove that each of them prayed. And regarding Avram, Rashi cites the Pesach in Vayera, after Hashem destroys Sodom, in chapter 19, Pasuk 27, by Hashkem Avram Baboker, Avram arises early in the morning, El Hamokom Hashem to the place where he had stood, which is Tefillah, Espenei Hashem. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, asks, why does Rashi choose this verse to show that Avram Avinu prays? Why doesn't he go to an earlier verse in chapter 18, where there, before Hashem destroys Sodom, Avram steps forward and he asks and prays to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is in chapter 18, Pasuk 23. Why go to a later Pasuk? And the Rebbe answers very powerfully that Avram prayed before Everybody prays at a time of crisis. Hashem was about to destroy five cities. Of course, someone would pray. But after they were already destroyed, why are you praying? Ah, so the Rebbe showed that Avram Avinu had that same intensity of prayer after the crisis was over as when he prayed prior to. And this is that powerful lesson that Parshas Bishalach is teaching us according to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, and that is the Koach of Tefillah, the great power of prayer, reminding us of the efficacy of prayer, and how much each and every one of us should take our prayers so seriously, and especially when Bli Ayan Hara, things are going good. Let Hashem hear from us how thankful 
we are for all the blessings that we have in our life. I just wish to conclude by reminding everybody that this coming Sunday night and Monday is Chu Bishvat, the 15th day of the month of Shvat, which the Mishnah tells us at the beginning of Rosh Hashanah is one of the four Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish calendar year, the Rosh Hashanah for the trees. Now what does that mean? It means that when we had A in the past and please God in the future, in terms of the giving of Truma, 2% to Mr. Cohen, Ma'aser to the Levi, a second Ma'aser, first two years to Yerushalayim, Ma'aser Sheni, third and sixth year to the Aniyim. It was important for a Jew to know what year I'm in so that the Ma'asros, the tithes were done properly. In addition, we are to realize that this is the day when the majority of the rains have already come upon Eretz Yisrael. And as Rashi tells us in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah Yudalid, this is the day that the sap is rising in the trees. And even though we can't see it happening, it's a day that reminds us of our great emuna and bitachon, the renewal of our faith that the fruit will appear again. And even though it's cold and nothing appears yet on the surface, it's a sign we learn lessons from nature and incorporate these lessons in our life as in the koach of tefillah. And so we turn to Devarim, chapter 8, verse 8, where the Torah gives us the Zion Minim, the seven species for which Eretz Yisrael is praised, a land of wheat and barley and grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives and dates, and we try to eat fruits of Eretz Yisrael this coming Sunday night and Monday, reminding us of our strong connection to Eretz Yisrael and reminding us that with the challenges that Eretz Yisrael faces, our koach of tefillah, our reminder that in lanu lihishoein, Ella, Alavinu Shabashamayim, the one that we must rely upon is our Father in Heaven. This is the great lesson of Parshas Bishalach and that of Tuvishvat. Shabbat Shalom to all.